episode 30, Katie Anderson and Asao Yoshino, author and subject of the book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes, because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes and a chance to win a free My Favorite Mistake coffee mug, go to markgraven.com slash mistake30. And now on with the show. Well, hi, welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven, and I'm really, really excited today to be joined uh, by two guests who are both very uh, special people to me. Um, I'll introduce them, and, and we'll hear a little bit about their connection and collaborations and have a great conversation today. So uh, my guests are Katie Anderson and Asao Yoshino. Uh, Katie is the author of a book um, titled Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, Lessons from Toyota leader Asao Yoshino on a Lifetime of Continuous Learning. So this book is a collaboration. Um, Katie is a leadership coach. Um, We now say published author. Her firm is KBJ Anderson, and you can find her at kbjanderson.com. And so Katie and I have known each other at least a decade. Yeah, definitely. It was back when I was at Stanford Children's Hospital many years ago. Yeah, so we have um, a lot of professional connections. And Mr. Yoshino, I'm really honored that, that you are here. Um, I did my first study trip to Japan in 2012, and Mr. Yoshino gave um, a lecture and had a chance to um, talk with him at dinner. And he um, spent uh, nearly 40 years um, at Toyota working in Japan and in the United States. So, Mr. Yoshino, it's great to see you again, and thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm fine. Thank yeah. you. And um, you're, you're coming to us from Japan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Just south first... of Toyota City, right? Little... Oh, Okazaki City. Yeah. It's about uh, 20 miles uh, south from Toyota City. Yeah. Well, great. So my first guest um, from Japan. So it's an honor. Thank you um, for being here. So um, we'll, we'll talk about the book, but I think one of the, well, I know one of the themes from the book is learning from mistakes, as we talk about all the time here on the podcast. So Mr. Yoshino, you have a story yes. that you'd like to tell about something you consider to be a favorite mistake. Yes. Uh, my biggest mistake is already in the book, which uh, Katie wrote, but uh, do you want me to start talking about it? Yes, no? please. Okay. Well, actually, I've made so many mistakes in my entire life, and big and small. But actually, the topic I'm going to talk about is uh, almost the biggest one. But it's very, very interesting experience. You know, it was, uh, when was it? It's, I joined Toyota in 1966, a long time ago. And uh, you know what? You know, in Japan, when you hire, actually, you know, we... Um, graduate you know from university just start working in april because the school starts in april and end in march mm-hmm. so when we graduate from uh, universities in march then we start working in april so first uh, four months 
particularly within in Toyota, the first four months for the newly hired people will go through the orientation. So it's not that you just go to the certain certain section and start working. We don't do that. First four months is it's long, you know, four four months we go through the orientation. And the first month uh, maybe it's a classroom orientation about the Toyota history and all those things. And based on that, we are sent to the plant because Toyota is a manufacturing company. So we are sent to the plant where we are manuf they are manufacturing the cars. So we work the same way as the work over there for um, about two months mm -hmm. total, uh, two times. And so my story is, is that it, uh, about the my uh, experience working in that uh, plant because you know I was assigned to Motomachi plant where we the people are manufacturing small size car like Corona. Oh no, not Corona virus, <laughs> but the Corona. By right. the way, anyway, <laughs> so. Um, that was the manufacturing plant, and I was sent to the paint shop. But it's not that I was painting the the car body, but I was in. I was sent to the uh, preparation uh, office, not office, uh, a storage where we have some paint cans, uh, and we keep it and we put it in the tank, and uh, then and the paint paint is uh, is brought into the painting shop. So we have to prepare all those painting. So my job is was to put the paint uh, in the tank and also the solvent. We, at the time, we have to uh, put in uh, two different uh, uh, materials. One is paint itself and another one is solvent. So we have to put it together. So I, my job is every two or three hours when the tank is, is, is empty, then I my job is to put the paint A to the tank mixer, then solvent A, uh, the same material, solvent A to the tank, and then put the, push the button. Then the, the machine just mix it up and then send it through the pipe to the painting shop. That's my job. Then maybe two or three hours later, then it get empty. So I have to do the same thing. And one day, when I just I finish, I finish my my work, then I just waiting and and. Uh, taking a look at the document or something. Then, you know, all of a sudden, just people in the painting shops rush to our, you know, storage mm -hmm. and ask me, okay, oh, okay, you guys, something is wrong in the painting shop because paint does not stick to the bottle panel. Something is wrong. So then the people came in and uh, I was new, very new, maybe the first one week or so, very, very new. So I was so surprised. Okay, something is wrong. I must have done something wrong. So just people can ask me, oh, okay, what did you do that? Okay, yes, sir. I just put this solvent uh, paint A in the tank. Then I I put the solvent A to the tank. Then I take a close look at the at the label. <laughs> it was it was solvent B. No, no. Is, I am not supposed to put that different one, but I did it. I did not notice that. So maybe a couple hours later it came out. So we found out that I put the wrong solvent in the tank, which creates huge problem. One, more than 100 cars should be repainted. So I was so shocked. But you know what? What happened next is that they did not, uh, they did not blame me for the mistakes. Of course, it was my mistake, but they did not blame me. But instead, they asked me, how did it happen? 
Yes, sir. I just put, I, I just did it what I was being told. However, I pick, pick up the wrong one because there is no site defined somewhere. So I pick up from, from this corner and put it up, but I pick up the wrong one. Then I ex explain that. Then the big boss, the boss of my, my storage is that he said, okay, so you pick up the wrong one, but without noticing that we pick up the wrong ones. So it's not necessarily your mistake. It's our mistake because we did mm. not you know, give you all the detailed instruction, but we just let you do that yourself. So it was my, it was our mistake, but don't worry that we have to figure out how to stop the same thing from happening again. Ah, yeah. So nobody ever blame me. So I was so shocked that it makes me feel so happy. Okay, these guys did not start blaming me, but they want to just find the real cause of the problem. Of course, the paint, paint manager also came in. So all of the people, looking at the same problem, I mean, look at the problem and, the, you know, thinking of the same way, how to solve the problem. So I was so happy. And uh, after that, of course, my, my boss and group leaders just try to uh, um, segregate in the area of how where to store and paint A and paint B. So uh, they learn some lessons out of my mis big mistake. Yeah. And... Uh, so that was really, really big mistake for me because at the time what I thought is that, okay, what kind of people are these people? Because usually, you know, they, gonna, they can easily blame me for the big mistake, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. So what is the thinking behind this? It's because they want to solve the problem because we are not perfect. So we make right. mistakes. Mistakes happen everywhere, particularly the newcomer like me. So uh, that is what happened to me. And uh, after that experience, you know, um, I just uh, talk about this, my mistake with my colleague, actually, we joined the same company, same timing. So I talk with a friend, this is, this, you know, this is the mistake I made. What do you think? Okay, don't worry, Yoshino, just, we just, I did it similar thing in my, in my stamping shop or in other part, part of their training set, you know, uh, location and so several people just said these the same mistakes because we are new mm -hmm. and but they receive the same reaction just like I received it so it's yeah. amazing experience for me so I tried to learn so what is what is the concept behind their attitude because they are you know you cannot get anything out of blaming somebody but mm. You can get something important, you know, important lesson that you can learn out of the mistakes some people made through, you know, discussing everything and going to the real cause of the problem. So that is the core thing that they believe is so important. And so that is really the first, you know, very, very at first stage, I, I get that, you know, experience. So uh, I learned that, okay, this is one of the very, very important culture that Toyota carries. Right. And so I, I was so proud of being part of Toyota, just just, just few weeks, but still, right. you know, it was a great, great experience for me. That's why I wanted to share this with, uh, with yeah. your people. 
Yeah, I mean, that's such a powerful thing to learn um, so early in your career. Um, yes. It's like some people do not um, get that opportunity. They they get blamed for something, whether they were involved or not. And this is where people learn to blame coworkers or to hide and cover up problems. Mm-hmm. And that's what prevents learning and that's what prevents improvement, right? I, I remember when we were first starting to work on the book and we were decided to start at the very beginning of Mr. Yoshino's career. And uh, Mr. Yoshino, I remember you laughing as you re- recalled this memory that you hadn't thought of in years and how foundational it was uh, for your experience of learning to be uh, a learner and a leader at at Toyota, and, and it's what a powerful story, and what a great what a great um, what a great mistake, and and the response of leaders as well. Yeah, and you know my my impression is, um, you know, somebody I've never worked at Toyota, but I've gotten to know many people who did work at Toyota, and I, I've pulled up you know one page from uh, the book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn that says lesson number two, create the conditions for people to be successful. And I've heard that same idea, slightly different words from different former Toyota people. And and, and one of those people, Daryl Wilburn, who worked in the United States in Kentucky and San Antonio, I've heard him say, um, it's the leader's responsibility to create a system in which people can be successful. So to me, that that's a sign that a culture is very strong when decades later on a different continent, that same idea is still there within Toyota. Absolutely. And in fact, we'll dive into this later, I probably in the podcast, but how this concept of mistakes and failure and embracing failure as a source of learning was so much of a part of Mr. Yoshino's 40 years at, at Toyota as well. So, um, and Katie, do you have a story that, that you want to tell about a favorite mistake? I do. Um, it took me a little while to think about what story I was going to tell because, you know, as we all know, we all have so many mistakes. And before we started recording, we were even talking about all the small little mistakes that many of us had made today. Uh, but when I was thinking about for myself, what my favorite mistake was I wanted to frame it on something that I had learned the most for of the most from and what had been the most impactful for me. And that has to go to a mistake that I have made many, 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 many times. But the story I'm going to tell is the time that this mistake really first revealed itself to me and how it started me on my path of continuous improvement uh, to be a better leader and coach. So I was in my mid-20s. I had I was in a place of a career transition. I had uh, I was living in Australia I, where I had just received my master's degree and had been awarded a um, prestigious academic scholarship. I had been for years rewarded for being the expert problem solver and the expert person and, and sharing my opinion was what I was supposed to do. And I made a decision to leave academia and to take a consulting role at a consulting firm in, in Australia, where I lived for four years. And I, there we, this, the, my story is, so paint the picture, I'm in a room with other colleagues at various um, levels within the firm. This is not a client-facing meeting, but this is a team meeting of different consultants. And 
I was jumping in and offering my opinion and offering my ideas. And I, I remember even this is a, a visceral feeling I have of wanting to jump in and, and just be part of it in my energy. And after that meeting, one of the partners came up to me and uh, said something. Her, the way she delivered the feedback was perhaps not the best because I, uh, well, I always welcome feedback. The words she used didn't necessarily resonate with me at the time. She told me, uh, and I actually debated whether or not I was going to say this on, on, on the podcast because they, they really frustrated me at the time. But, but I think these words help, in retrospect, help galvanize me to realize there was something that I needed to change and the mistake that I was really making. She said I was like a bull in a china shop mm. and just barreling my way through a meeting to get my opinion out. And uh, it took me a while to really sort of accept that. I mean, I heard her, but I didn't really uh, take that on for many years. But that was the beginning for me of my realization that I needed to make a shift for myself, that I was no longer in a role that was pure expert but I also was in a role where I was working with people and I was helping to develop people and collaborate with people. And so I continued to make the same mistake over and over again, probably not as um, egregiously, but I, uh, from, from that point then I moved back to the United States and I took on a role, which is where you and I met Mark at Stanford Children's Hospital right. in a continuous improvement internal consulting role. And I realized through my six years at Stanford Children's that I needed to shift from being the expert, always telling my ideas and coming up with the solution and offering my opinion to being more of a coach. And then when I took a more senior leadership role at the Palo Alto Medical Foundation, leading a team of continuous improvement coaches and consultants and working at the executive level, uh, I had an co external coach who worked with me and she was the one who was the real catalyst for me to take some steps back and really reconnect and identify what was my purpose now? What was, what was the intention of my role? And what were the behaviors aligned with that? And it was that year that I really made some transformational change for myself about not jumping in and always giving my opinion. It wasn't about me being right. It wasn't about my ideas. Sometimes it was, but more often than not, it was about me taking a step back and listening, asking questions and helping other people develop. And this has really become my passion now in my career. And what I see is something that I can really help people with is making that transition from being an expert or being the one who um, has the answers to being in a people development role. And how do we successfully navigate that transition and know that sometimes we actually navigate that um, through each day. Sometimes we are the problem owner or need to be an expert, but many times we should be showing up and it's less about what us being right and more how can we help support someone else being right. So I hate that phrase bull in a China shop, but it really does. If you think back to me 15 years ago, or maybe it was more than 15 years now at this point, but that was the real beginning um, of realizing that I was making mistakes and how I wanted to show up and be in the world. Yeah. And, and, and who was it that the feedback came from specifically? Was it a peer? Was it a no, it was my, the part, one of the partners I was working with? So, okay. yeah. Yeah. So it was one of, and actually another woman who was one of the, the few women partners at the firm, uh, who, who gave me that feedback. So, okay. I wasn't necessarily going to ask, I was wondering if gender 
and expectations played any sort of role in that in terms of behaviors and aggressiveness? Yeah, well, that was actually one of the reasons I initially, and even to this day, um, bristle a little bit because I, I did have the experience that there may have been some gender expectations in there too, that it was more okay for men to be speaking up. Um, there were right. more right. men at right. the time. And I'm also, also a, um, you know, I was American woman in Australian culture and cultural environment at that time. And so I, I do believe some of that played a role, um, which is part of the reason I wasn't sure if I wanted to share that story. But at the end of the day, which is a very Australian phrase, uh, I, I, when I look back on it, that was the beginning of me really starting to see that I was making a mistake in how I was showing up. If I wanted to be effective in a team environment, if I wanted to be more effective in working with people and really connecting with my purpose, which was to help other people move forward. And so, um, yeah, so there was, there was, there were some things about that, that, uh, yeah, but it was a, a, the beginning of my lear- realization of, of, yeah the mistake in how it was showing up. Well, I mean, people often say um, feedback is a gift, but <laughs> some feedback is more specific or more helpful than other feedback. So in the book, one of the themes is reflection mm. as the key to learning. And if somebody throws a phrase at you, like, well, Katie, you're being a bull in a China shop. Like, wh- how do you reflect? It, it, w- it would be difficult to reflect on that feedback or other than right. like maybe some blunt reaction of like, okay, I'll sit and be quiet. But well, exactly. Yeah. You're well, thank you, Mark. You're, you're, you're validating my, my reaction to that feedback. Cause there was, there was important feedback to be had, but the delivery and the method of that feedback mm-hmm. was not so effective. So, yeah. um, because yeah, it, there, it could have been said in a more reflective way right. that would have been more helpful for me in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, you continued to, um, as you called it, making that mistake. And then, I mean, what was it? What, what was the gradual self-discovery over time, mm-hmm. perhaps then in terms of finding the right balance of um, when to speak up, when, when to when to state something, when to ask question, when to ask, um, when to listen? Yeah, so it was really... Some of it happened organically through my own personal experience, and then some of it happened with a real intention. But I would say it was a realization that it wasn't sustainable. If I really wanted to be helping this organization uh, create sustainable improvement and really have the people who worked in the workplace have more capability and confidence of continuing to improve the processes we were working on me going in and sort of behind the scenes, doing all the problem solving wasn't actually uh, achieving that outcome. Mm. And I had a role in teaching them and a helpful role in guiding them in, in uh, along the way, but me just doing it all behind the scenes and being the expert who then like swishes away and leaves them with it wasn't helpful. And then it really was when I had a coach who was working with me um, with purpose and intention, who was very good at asking those questions to help self-awareness. And I'd gone on a journey from that time, but to ask those questions of, you know, who do you want to be? How do you want to be showing up? What outcomes do you want with your people and your organization? And, And what role do you have by the way that you're, you're acting and, and how is that influencing those outcomes? Yeah. And so 
it was, it was putting purposeful practice. And I think sometimes this is what I, I help other people work with now is sometimes it's just the process of some self-awareness. And once you're aware of how you're showing up, it actually can be quite easy to make changes because you start being horrified of like, oh my God, I interrupt, like I interrupt people all the time. Uh, my good friend, Karen Ross, it was, she was laughing the other day. She's like, I would never have thought that you were an interrupter. I'm like, it's because I, I still can be an interrupter, but I work really hard at not interrupting people and not interjecting my own opinion all the time. Um, certainly to offer it, but to do it in a more constructive and purposeful way. Yeah. So, and, and Karen Ross, by the way, was guest number three yeah. in uh, this My Favorite Mistake series. So people can find that um, in 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 the uh, the podcast feed if you want to find that. But you know, I think it's an interesting contrast in the two stories from from you, Katie, and from you, Mister Yoshino, as you know that that page that I had pulled up from the book um, also says in. Um, the, the header here is Mr. Yoshino was talking about not just create the conditions for people to be successful, but then in parentheses and take responsibility when mistakes happen. So I heard from your story, Mr. Yoshino, that the group leader or others took responsibility for putting you in that position. You know, Katie, it seems like in your situation, that partner wasn't taking responsibility for maybe not having proactively coached you or the firm uh, not having better expectations around, you know, was, was, the mistake's not as straightforward as solvent A versus oh. solvent B. Either. Right. Yeah. Right. I think she probably thought that she was uh, helping create those conditions, but her, her words mm-hmm. maybe didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't help as much in the moment, but they did spur me in retrospect and kind of, it was a wake up call for me that uh, others experience of how I was showing up was not congruent with, my experience of how I wanted to be seen and contribute. So that, I guess in that way, it was helpful. Yeah. So it's, you know, two stories, I think for listeners and for myself to kind of reflect on, you know, uh, different leaders reacting to situations um, differently and, and how do we try to create a culture as you write about in the book um, where you're developing people and Mm -hmm. um, improving and succeeding as an, as an organization. Um, so before I wrap up, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit more um, the story behind the book. Um, again, it's uh, leading to learn, leading to. Uh, no, I always stumble over this when I talk to Katie about the book. So here's my mistake, and I've got I've got it in front of me, and I still struggle to read it. Um, Katie, hold the book out. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the book, and you can read it for yourself. Learning to lead, leading to learn. Those words are in all capitals, and I still stumble over it. What was that? I said it's a lot. It's a lot of we. It's a lot of L's. Yeah. Learning, leading, learning. Yeah. So, um, you know, Katie, and then I want to ask Mr. Yoshino um, your reflections on on the book. But Katie, what led to this opportunity to write a book? to collaborate with Mr. Yoshino and, and capture so much of what you've learned and what he's taught others? Well, some of it was serendipity that um, I had the unique opportunity to move to Japan in 2015 for 18 months with my family. And it wasn't for my job. It was for my husband's. But as a lean a practitioner and a uh, consultant, very interested in international experiences and also the Toyota production system, I was very thrilled with this. And I met Mr. Yoshino six months before we moved to Japan and he gave me his card and said, look me up when you get down there and I'll take you to Toyota city and we'll do a tour of Toyota. And I really thought that this, uh, and I made my husband take the day off of work. I thought it was going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity 
And we just had a really wonderful day together, spending time talking. And uh, from that point forward, I I jumped on that Shinkansen, the bullet train, take the 90 minute journey down to see Mr. Yoshino many times. And we continued our our discussions and it just evolved. And when I moved back to the US, we continued to talk. And it was actually, I believe it was Mr. Yoshino's idea. So I, well, I'd started writing a blog when I moved to Japan, which you were super helpful, Mark, in um, helping me think about how to get that set up and um, some initial just sort of spreading the word about it. Mm -hmm. And I was writing about my conversations with Mr. Yoshino and he was so generous of saying, anything we talk about, you're welcome to write about on your blog. And people were really interested in our conversations. And so when I moved back to Japan or back, back from Japan to the United States, uh, we continued to talk and I was writing these blog posts and Mr. Yoshino said, well, maybe we should work on a booklet together. And I was like, well, I think it might be more than a booklet. I kind of had the inkling at that point that writing something more than a blog post was going to take some serious effort. Right. Um, and so we said, okay, let's do a book. And we started with purposeful interviews and it evolved into a much bigger project than I think either of us had imagined. Um, because I got, and I, I'm so grateful for this experience of, getting to work with Mr. Yoshino and really learn so much from him and the depth of reflection. If we go back to that concept of reflection that he was willing to undertake to, to share his lessons of success, of failure, of challenge, um, and of learning. And, uh, it was really, really tremendous. So it's super exciting. It's a, I mean, it's only been about five, five months, actually, by the time when this podcast comes out, it'll be the six month mark of the book coming out. So that was our journey together. And we're uh, one of the most important relationships in my adult life. Um, this is with this man. So. Yeah. Well, and, and the book is uh, gotten such a positive uh, reception and um, you know, the reviews that people can see on Amazon um, are, are very, very positive. And the um, Mr. Yoshino, I wanted to ask you, how does it feel to have, so many of your stories from from your life and, um, you know, the stories, you know, talk about your goals as a child growing up. Like, you know, there's a lot uh, about about you in the book. Uh, how, how does that how does that? Well, feel? Actually, it's very, very interesting the experience to work together with Gary, because this was the first time in my entire life that people are, keep asking me a lot of a lot of questions to me about my life and, and my childhood and the Toyota life. I've never received any kind of that kind of questions from Japanese people. So every time <laughs> Katie asks some simple question, but it's so profound, so deeper, has so deeper meaning. So it's it's a very much good trigger for me to look back on my past and, and most of the most of the things I talk you know, she wrote in in her book is is you know is what I remembered, what I recall, start re- remembering when she asked me. So I just try my best to remember all those memories, which is already hidden somewhere. <laughs> so it's a it's very, very big trigger. So that is the power of asking effective questions to me. So it's it was a big trigger. So it's I learned so much, you know, oh. from my past, from my past experience one more time again. I learned when I experienced something then I learned something at the time, but still, again, I relearned some important lessons out of sharing my stories with, with Katie. So it was great experience for me. So uh, I, again, it's the power of asking you know, effective questions and it, it really means a lot to me. 
and so I really appreciate. And uh, of course, it is uh, it's not a bi- my biography. It's a, it's a history of my, you know, series of learning. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate. He, uh, you know, Katie gave me a chance to look back and relearn some lessons again. Mm-hmm. So two times, new learning, two times, it's great, great thing to do in my life. That's wonderful. So questions, reflections, and learning. Mm. Yes. A, lot, a lot better than blame yeah. and punishment. Back to yeah. the workplace and, stories. And, yeah. I, and I want to add one, one other thing, Mark. I, what really st- I, I love the title and focus of this podcast, and it really resonates with so many of the stories in, uh, well, stories in the book, but stories from Mr. Yoshino's life. And I, I, I like to say that the, the book or his experience at Toyota was bookended by these two different experiences. One, which is the story he shared today on the podcast, and the other was at the end of his career, which is a very significant, large business um, venture that failed. But throughout all of that, the response of leaders was the same around mistakes and failure, and failure is a source of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and how even the president of Toyota, Mr. Cho, had said to Mr. Yoshino after a pretty uh, challenging many years on working on this project that this is not, we don't blame you for this business failure. We also had responsibility for this. You were new to the business. We were new to the business. And we all have an opportunity for learning. And to me, that just sums up um, the, the quote that I, I start the book off with, which is, I, I was always trying to ask Mr. Yoshino, like, what's Toyota's secret? How are they such a successful company that's renowned for being its people-centered culture and culture of learning? And he said, there's the only secret to Toyota is its attitude towards learning. Mm-hmm. And that's about learning from mistakes as well as failure and looking at the, at the process and not just the outcome. And I think that's so critical for all of us to remember. Um, and I want to bring up, you have your Daruma too, that there's this... Um, there's a proverb for, that I learned in Japan about fall down. It's called that says fall down seven times, get up eight. And these Japanese Daruma dolls represent that as well. Uh, it's about setting a goal and an intention. You fill in the Daruma's eye. This is actually from submitting our manuscript. I have my uh, my goal here. But if you, the expectation is you're not going to achieve something with success out of the gates. There's going to be mistakes and failure along the way. I, Marks is better. But this one, I do it on my hand. It's not very good. But they're weighted at the bottom because when you fall down, you're getting, you need to get up. And that's how, the perseverance and the grit and the tenacity and the learning. Oh, nice one, Mark. Uh, <laughs> is how we're going to move towards success. And so mistakes are mistakes and struggle and failure is part of the learning journey towards success. And so uh, if we can reframe mistakes in a different way, and failure in a different way and have a different response um, when people make mistakes, that that's how we're all going to create a better, um, yeah. better world really. Yeah. So we're going to make uh, your book, the official book of the podcast here, <laughs> because that is such um, a powerful theme and, and one of the threads um, through the book, um, learning to lead, leading to learn. See, I did better. Nice work. Uh, See, practice with intention. I should have practiced before we recorded. So I'll, I'll get better. Um, at hosting. Um, so again, we've been joined by Katie Anderson and Asao Yoshino. Um, Katie, there was uh, an offer that you were going to mention, um, a downloadable sample from the book. Can you tell the, yes. tell the audience so, about that? Uh, I have a downloadable sample from the book if you haven't had the opportunity to read it. 
that uh, a chapter that describes Mr. Yoshino's um, the story that he talked about today, as well as some of the introductory um, parts of the book for you. And you can go to KBJ Anderson forward slash um, my favorite mistake. So my dash favorite dash mistake. So we'll There's make a dot sure. com in there too. Oh yeah, sorry. There's I mean, a dot to jump com. all over you for the mistake. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, all right. So we'll start again. I'm being a bull in the China shop here. dot com forward slash my dash favorite dash mistake. So we'll put that in the notes as well, but you can yes. get that um, for you there, and we'll have some other specials um, coming forward. So check out that for some other announcements and opportunities for you to take advantage of. Great. So yeah, there'll be a clickable link in the show notes or the YouTube comments or the uh, description. Uh, people can uh, click on that. So, um, well, this has been so nice to hear, um, you know, so your, your reflections and perspectives on learning from mistakes, both personally and some of the example that, that we can get from Toyota. So again, the full title of the book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, Lessons from Toyota Leader Asao Yoshino on a Lifetime of continuous learning. So Mr. Yoshino, it's been uh, a real honor um, to have you join us today. And Katie, as author of the book, um, the same. Thank you. Thank you both uh, for taking time to be here today. Thank you. It's my arigato. Thank you very, very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.